So our uh, scripture reading today is going to be from Luke chapter 11. And um, I invite you to turn in a Bible or a Bible app. And um, I know it'll be on the screen. You can follow along that way. But I actually encourage you to grab a Bible or a Bible app on your phone just simply so that you actually have um, that tool, the Bible, in your hand. Um, yeah, so it just becomes a regular thing that you hold on to and use and adjust. And it's right there and you're aware where it is, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and before I read from Luke 11, allow me to pray. You're going to notice, maybe you've always noticed, there's a lot of prayers in a worship service. Um, in fact, I would suggest that a worship service is a prayer. Right? This is a conversation between us and God. God gives His word of greeting and we respond in song. And um, God gives us His word spoken to us and we respond in prayer, offering ourselves to Him. It's just a constant conversation um, with God. Let's pray. Jesus, we're here to now hear from you what you have to say about prayer in Luke chapter 11. And we pray, Jesus, that you would help us to be the kind of students who catch what you are trying to throw in our direction. We pray that we'd be attentive. We pray also that your Spirit would give us wisdom and insight, and that you would also open our hearts and our minds and that what goes into our head would also shape what our hands and feet do and what our mouths say and do. So for all this, we need your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. All right, Luke 11. And by the way, if you're used to having the uh, pastoral prayer or the congregational prayer before the sermon, I'm going to use what I'm preaching to kind of guide the way I pray, and that's why we do this a bit afterwards. Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, Yet, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today we are continuing on our series, Walking and Talking with Jesus. Uh, last week we talked about um, the listening part of prayer where we pay attention to the fact that God is speaking to us, 
And this week we're going to move to the other side, which is the talking part of prayer or intercession or interceding prayer. Um, this passage starts with Jesus praying and his disciples asking him as their teacher or rabbi, they would have called him, to teach them. And that got me thinking. So one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and so where he was praying and all that seems to be irrelevant to this story. He was somewhere praying. But when he finished, one of the disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray, and then this uh, line with it, just as John taught his disciples. And it made me wonder, because Jesus was a rabbi, and for us, so for example, if I'm teaching people, My favorite thing is if you come to me with questions because that means you're actually engaged and you want to know something. It's a little different with a Jewish rabbi. With a Jewish rabbi, your job is to be quiet and follow, even if you don't know where where it's going. Right? So for us in a course, usually you'll get a syllabus at the beginning of of a a course you're taking. It'll tell you exactly where you're going and the kinds of things you're going to learn. There'll be objectives in there, all those kinds of things. With a rabbi, it's let's see what the the Lord has to offer. Let's see what the Lord has to offer, and they would be in a more open-ended kind of a way. The other part that strikes me about this request is that the disciples are saying, we want to be more like John's disciples. John taught them to pray. Why aren't you teaching us to pray? And that also makes me a little bit suspicious. And so I want to suggest to you that though the Lord's Prayer is an amazing guide and pattern for our prayer, which is what we're going to use it for, it's also... Probably Jesus trying to stretch us and grab our attention with what he's teaching us here about prayer. And we'll look for those things as we go through this. First thing in this pattern is that we're praying to a parent, it's personal, and he is present. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father. And most of us are used to our Father in heaven or our Father who art in heaven. Um, and note that we read Luke. This prayer is also in Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is. And it's a little bit different there. I'll note some of those things along the way. And neither of those ones is actually the way we pray it when we pray it together in unison. Both of them keep off the ending piece, which is um, for the kingdom is yours and so on, the ending piece. And that makes me think, you know how when you gather with Christians of a variety of traditions and someone says, hey, let's pray the Lord's Prayer in unison, that particularly around the sins, trespasses, deaths part, everybody kind of mumbles because we're not sure what they're going to say. And here Matthew and Luke have different versions of it. Maybe, maybe, I'm just suggesting this, I'm laying it down, you don't have to pick it up, that's what my rabbi taught me. Maybe it wasn't intended that this was to be the form prayer that we use. Maybe Jesus is trying to teach a whole bunch of lessons with this, and they are all incredibly helpful with prayer. But maybe... Jesus is still recognizing 2,000 some odd years later that see how you can never seem to pray the exact same prayer together? Maybe that wasn't my intention in the first place. Yeah, just laying that down. Jesus starts with Father. And we're probably so used to that 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 doesn't even strike us in the least. There's not a whole lot of praying to the Father in the Old Testament. It wasn't a Jewish thing to do. Jesus came and if you look up how many times Father is in the Bible that it refers to God, the Gospels is full of them. And the, in the Gospels, Jesus is constantly talking about his Father, right? And that's probably one of the more offensive things that he regularly did in front of the, uh, the religious leaders because they all talked about God in an unpronounceable 
four-letter W-H-Y-H, no, Y-H-W-H um, spelling, which we would say Yahweh. Right? They didn't pronounce God's name because he was so wholly other. And here Jesus is calling him Father, and he's actually saying to his disciples, when you pray, talk to your Father. You're talking to your Father. Right? Might also be noting today that, isn't it Mother's Day? Why is he talking about fathers? I want to suggest to you that Jesus suggesting that we pray Father might be better for many of us if we prayed our parents in heaven. Right? Because we certainly culturally associate fatherhood with certain things and motherhood with certain things. I've actually seen a study where words were identified by what gender we associated with them, and it's random or based on, on I guess, just our responses. But a lot of the things that you would consider to be spiritual, those kind of words, tended on the, the mother side of things. So I just want to suggest to you that particularly if, if praying to a father is, is difficult for you because you've had unfortunate trauma in your life, Praying to your mother in heaven is not the worst idea in the world. Um, we're not talking about a male or female God who happens to be a father and not a mother. We're actually talking about the ultimate parent. The best language we could use is father, but it's not reflecting our fathers into God. It's God saying, this is what it means to be the ultimate parent in the world. And I hope your fatherhood and your motherhood reflect that in the way you live in this world. He is he's that person. Um, in Romans, he talks about Abba. Jesus calls him Abba, which is that incredibly, uh, it's not translated to daddy or father because it's, it's just deeper connectivity than that. Right? So as we're beginning prayer, the first thing you need to pause and do, the first shocking thing Jesus wants to teach his followers is, this is not a formal process. This is a personal process. You are stepping into your father's presence to have a conversation. That's what it's like. When you pray, say, Father, Father. Second thing, worship authority. So, Father, personal, present God, but recognize, very defined, hallowed be His name. And I want to suggest to you that the fact that we call God Father and that He's personal and close and present like a parent has to be always balanced with and hallowed be His name. Let his name carry weight with us. That's what holy is. Let his name be so carefully upon our lips because we have a deep sense of awe and respect and amazement at God. Don't become so familiar with God as your father or even as your friend, because Jesus says, call his friend, that you lose the fact that he's also God. He's also other. He's also our Creator. He's our Lord. He's our Master. He's all those things. And we need both of those. And, and I would suggest that part of what Jesus is teaching us here, part of His stretching challenge to us is sit in that first. Sit in that balance of this God as loving Heavenly Father and powerful Lord of the universe who created it. And let that just flow over you as a combined, difficult to reconcile reality. Father, your name. May everything about this prayer bring respect to you. Third piece. Have a focused purpose. Your kingdom come. And the reason I use Luke is because it's the pithiest verse of this. It doesn't include your will be done as earth, as on earth as it is in heaven. But frankly, that could simply be because that's an expansion of your kingdom come. 
if Jesus' kingdom comes, that means that His will is being done right here among us, the way it is with Him and His angels and all those who are, are part of His heavenly, um, His heavenly domain. Your kingdom come means, God, let everything that I pray about be about doing your stuff in this world. You see, this prayer starts with, Father, I'll be your name. Your kingdom come. It starts with a heavenward focus, a Godward focus, because in prayer, our tendency is likely to be, God, i got some things I want to ask you about. We're going to get to those. That's the next three um, lines of this prayer. But if we don't start with a deep and powerful awareness that the reason we're coming into our Father, the Holy One's presence, is because He's got a plan for our lives, for our world, and it's good. It's His kingdom. It's His reign. If we don't have that on our plates first, we're going to miss kind of where we need to go in our prayer. Your kingdom come. And then, now we move to our request. Now we get to talk about us. First thing is, declare dependence. So that's sort of saying something about us, but if there's something about us as a whole lot of respect for what we just said about God, give us each day our daily bread. God, I depend on you for every single thing that comes my way. Now I want to suggest to you that perhaps with this line, Jesus wasn't saying something shocking and challenging to his original hearers. They probably remembered a little more clearly the whole man in the desert reality as part of their um, journey through the desert in Exodus. And probably a whole lot more of them were a little more dependent on daily bread. They probably had to go to the baker every day to get their loaf kind of a thing. Whereas for us, with fridges and freezers and us in this North American context with just plain wealth, I don't know how about you, but it's not often that I'm wondering, boy, I wonder if I'm going to have enough food tomorrow. I already know I have enough food in my fridge and my cupboard, not only just for tomorrow, but probably for the next three weeks if I need this food. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a way of putting ourselves back in the place of recognizing, and why do I have those things? Why do I have everything that I have? Right? The language of our world keeps saying, you have it because you earned it. You deserved it. Right? You, you worked hard for this. You built this up for yourself. You've got to remember that very disturbing line, but it's also in Matthew 6 parable of the rich man who thought, I got a lot of stuff, so I did really well. I'm going to be able to pay for bargains. And he lost his life. He lost or missed the fact that his very soul, his very life, his very breath was a gift from God. That everything that's added with it is an incredible gift from God. And therefore, how we use those things, that's a stewardship conversation, right, is all about God's giving it to us. Remember, Every time you pray, this Father is holy and has a kingdom plan. He's given you the stuff that He's given you to carry out that kingdom plan, and that is why you have it. And that is why you have it. Give us each day our daily bread. Don't neglect supply me, Lord Jesus, with all the things I need to do. Do your stuff my way. And as you pray that daily bread kind of prayer, remember this as well. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit can do incredible things through you without all of that abundance, without all of those extras. God has an amazing ability to use people who are doing without some area in their life um, for His kingdom purposes. Give us today every 
things to not do today that you can do that you're calling us to do. Number six, engage kingdom dynamics. So the prayer is, your kingdom come. And I want to suggest to you that our role in bringing that kingdom has everything to do with this line, forgiveness of sins, and that this incredibly challenging line that goes with it. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. It's a pretty automatically challenging thing. It's not hard to go, yeah, I've done wrong things, generalize about that and say, Jesus, forgive me. But what about living in that dynamic where when somebody offends me or hurts me, I have to sit in the reality of, well, that, that's hard. I don't want to forgive that person. I want to hang on to my anger. Thank you very much. Right? And what they did is wrong. Yeah, of course. That's actually why you need forgiveness. If what they did was a mistake or explainable, that just needs understanding. If what they did was just plain wrong and it hurt you or somebody you love or somebody in this world, that's why we need forgiveness. And this prayer, and in this prayer, Jesus is really saying to us, recognize where you sit in that equation. Recognize that you are first the person needing forgiveness. You are exactly like that person who you need to forgive. And when you understand the incredible forgiveness that the perfect God of this world gave you, it might motivate you, I hope, to be more forgiving with that other person, more understanding so that you can forgive of that other person. If we are to see transformation happen in our lives, if we are to see our mission take place in this world, this piece of this prayer is what's going to allow the kingdom of heaven to come. This is a dynamic we need to spend way more time leaning into, not just as a cursory prayer, forgive our sins as we forgive others, but sitting in, what do I need forgiveness for? What does it mean that I'm forgiven? Who do I really need to forgive? And it doesn't say in this version, by the way, it doesn't even say if we forgive or as we forgive. It says we also forgive. It's a fact. This is what's happening, folks. We are going to be forgiving people. That's our kingdom dynamic. And then the sixth. Enter aware. In other words, enter into the things of this world, even the messy things of this world, aware that there is danger there. Jesus, me, Jesus teaches us to pray and lead us not into temptation. And this one has confounded theologians forever, and we love to get sidetracked off into, God lead us into temptation? If you think of it in terms of this, God leads you where He needs you to do that forgiving and being forgiven dynamic. He leads you into places where you are to help transform lives and situations towards His kingdom that it can be here on earth the way it is in heaven. If He's leading you there, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be in a dangerous place. You're going to be in a place where you're either tempted to be way too lenient and not call for justice or, or way too justice-oriented and not allow for, for grace. You're going to be tempted to enter in and just say, ah, I'm going to be like these people because, hey, it doesn't look so bad for them. You're going to be tempted if you try and do kingdom work. And do I dare say it in the opposite way? If you're not experiencing temptation, you're probably not engaged in kingdom work. This prayer is important because when you are on the front lines of Jesus' ministry in this world, the 
probably the challenge we face when your thoughts and realities are going to be stretched and we need to pray, Lord, don't let me fall into whatever temptations come even as I'm trying to retain a business in this world. So those are the six phrases, at least in the Luke version. And neither Luke or Matthew has the seventh phrase. And that, of course, got me thinking, my job is to put these things ahead of time, so I can tell you, trust you, we like that. Why, throughout most of the history of the church, have we included, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever? And I suspect, I suspect, and again, it's one of those, I'm just going to lay this down, and, right, it's not the uh, assumed truth for everyone. I suspect it's because six is that number of incompletion. And by instinct, particularly a Jewish person and, and many church people throughout the ages knew that seven was the number of completion, and that there was this sense that you don't just end a prayer with, and lead us not into temptation. Notice, by the way, it doesn't even include, for Jesus' sake, amen, which we've usually added. You don't just end there. You need something to wrap it up. And so it was probably instinct, right? And not a bad instinct at all. I'm not saying any hate. It was instinct for the early church to go, yeah, we need a summary of this. And the summary really just captures all the stuff in the prayer again and, and, and wraps it up in a nice bow. Nothing wrong with that line. Keep on praying it. I'm just saying there's a reason it wasn't actually in the original version of the Bible. And I would suggest again that Jesus is a rabbi when they said, teach us to pray. We want to be more like John's disciples, if that's what he was saying. He's saying, I'm going to give you a prayer that leads you right there and lead us not into temptation. I'm going to leave you right there on the edge of my prayer. I'm not going to wrap it up in a nice tight bow for you. I'm going to leave it at six, incomplete, so that you know you've got to go live and do and work out this prayer as we're summarizing number seven. And then a few things that Jesus says right after he gives them this um, pattern for prayer. One is about passionate persistence. And, and this is, again, this is Jesus being a rabbi, right? Notice how striking it is what he says here. Somebody comes to you in the middle of the night, comes at midnight, and asks you for bread. And you say, no, because I'm sleeping. And I say, well, yeah, that, right? that makes no sense. In this world, he just wouldn't knock on someone's door at midnight. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, this is the... Today's New International Version. I love that line. Your boldness, your shameless audacity, the fact that you're not going to stop asking until you get some bread. He'll surely give up and give you as much as you need. So God is like your friend who doesn't really want to give you something unless you have shameless audacity, unless you beg him in the middle of the night and won't give up. That's a beautiful rabbi thing. No. God is not that annoying friend. God is not the, the tight friend who doesn't want to get up. God is way more generous than this. Basically, it's saying, you would do this, maybe not for all the right reasons, but you would do this. Trust me, God would do way more. He's your father in heaven. He's your parent in heaven. But have that passionate persistence. And then, that was enough. Then there's this disciplined repetition. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And the next verse is, for whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Right? There's those three words, ask, seek, knock. And there's three more. Ask, seek, knock. Three plus three, everyone, is six. Again, help 
exactly my point. There's got to be something more. It's not just simple persistence. It's not just that passionate plea. Jesus is leaving them hanging by giving them six phrases in the prayer. He's giving them this double three, which is a six. How about this? If then, though you are evil, this is where he talks about a parent being asked for an egg and giving him a snake instead. It's like, yeah, again, I know that. Of course, a parent would do all they could to give good gifts. And that's his point. Is this your father in heaven? He's both your personal father and he's in heaven, and he wants his kingdom to come. He's going to give you what you need. See what he says. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? No. Is that what you're asking? We haven't been talking about the Holy Spirit in this passage at all, as far as I can tell. Has it come up? You know that the... This just came to me, so if it doesn't fit, then you know, explain the fact that I just said it off the cuff. You know that the seven-point candelabra in the tabernacle in the book of Revelation represents the seven-fold Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit. The seven, the completion. The completion of our prayer is asking for and receiving the Holy Spirit just for the taking, because if you're going to do any of that stuff in that prayer, it's your relationship, your experience, your Filling with this Holy Spirit, that's going to enable you to do that. Right? So you see what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, here's a pattern for prayer. Here's things you should bump into. All of them are going to stretch you. But make no mistake. Mark my words. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus' way of saying it. Ask for the Holy Spirit because He is the one who ties us together and empowers your prayer. Romans 8 tells us, we don't know what we need to pray for. We don't know what to ask for. on my soul as I'm trying to pray to you, how much more will our incredible Father give us His Holy Spirit to guide our prayer? Amen. Thank you. 
Lord, listen to your children pray. Heavenly Father, on this Mother's Day, we celebrate all the ways that our mothers here on earth have reflected your parental goodness. The way they've shown you, the way they've taught us about you, the way they've allowed us to come and sit on their lap and be embraced and nurtured and loved and cared for. The way that shows us that we also can trust you to be that good anymore. Father, may your name be honored and hallowed. May you be loved and respected. May you be worshipped. Truly. Not only in time of gathering when music and words are given to us that allow our hearts to soar but also in the midst of challenges and struggles or opportunities all to our need. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us praise you as we see you reflected in creation as well as in other image bearers, the people all around us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that it's your kingdom that comes. We pray for your COVID-free kingdom, your cancer-free kingdom, your crime-free kingdom. We pray for your kingdom of justice, where the good thing is this world, as vaccines right now get distributed fairly and equally. We pray for a world where not only are people gracious and loving and supporting those who need to come as refugees, but there will be no more refugees. We pray for a world of deep hospitality, of incredible, gracious, forgiving love, a world of justice, and a world of truth. We pray, give us today our daily bread. Help us to be deeply aware of where things come from, be satisfied with what we have, to curb our envy and our jealousy. Lord Jesus, as we are aware of what we've received and from whom it comes, help us to participate in allowing others to receive theirs as well, especially if theirs needs to come from some of what we think is ours. Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily breath. And when our breath is gone, we pray that your spirit would remain the spirit of comfort. And so we pray with the Talsmans and the Cowboys family, the losses that they've experienced in the last while, with the Vanderhaus and the Wielden families, whose losses are a little longer ago, and for all who are still walking through that field of mist that is grief, where we're not sure when we will feel whole and free and joyous again. We pray, give us our daily bread, our daily breath, and our daily health. Again, Lord Jesus, make us aware that all that we have each day, each moment, is a gift from you, and use it accordingly. And so we pray for those who are struggling with life and energy and strength and health. 
you read about Martha Luke Brothers, about Yeti, who has shingles now as well as the other things she's been dealing with. For Bill Hansen, who was in the hospital and at home, but still is on a healing journey. Lord, we pray for Rena Van Stallion, who you just heard is in the hospital now, likely going to have surgery, and he is on a healing journey for her as well. Lord, would you give us collectively, give these people particularly, our daily help. And we pray for so many more. They're listed in our communications. They're on our hearts and minds. They're being prayed for by wonderful prayer warriors of this community who constantly and repetitively continue to bring people before you. We thank you for all that, Lord Jesus. And so we also pray, forgive, because we're going to forgive. And we pray that you continue to lead us to be those kind of kingdom people whose first instinct, whose natural response is to forgive. And so, Lord, we pray, send your spirit, your spirit to help us understand our forgiveness, to receive it and to live out of it as we do for our lives. And respond to others in that same powerful, transformative way. And so, Lord Jesus, as your kingdom people, lead us not into temptation, but do lead us into places where temptations exist. Lead us into those messy places in this world where we're facing the pain and sorrow and struggle and addictions and confusions and mental health issues of those who are around us. Lead us there, Lord Jesus, but lead us there the power of your Spirit. Lead us there in strength. Lead us there as a transforming servant of your kingdom purpose. And so we pray, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to receive from you all that we need. Help us to open our hearts to be so filled with you that we are in tune with your call in each moment of each day. Help us, Lord Jesus, to let you be our perfect mother, the one who nurtures us and guides us and provides for us as the best, beyond what the best earthly mother can do. And help us, who are mothers, to also rest in you, to recognize that what we have been provided in you is that which allows us, in your grace, to be mothers reflecting your glory. This we pray, Jesus, in your holy name.